Your story is waiting for you today. Your story has something new to say. But your story will only come out to play when you're alone. Alone. Alone in a room with invisible people. The following episode may contain swearing. Alone in a Room with Invisible People is brought to you by hollyswritingclasses.com. If you find value in what we do and you'd like to support the podcast, go to coffee.com, that's K-O hyphen F-I.com forward slash alone, or you can go to alonewithinvisiblepeople.com forward slash support us to find out more. Thank you. Hi, I'm Rebecca Gallardo, the host of Alone in a Room with Invisible People. I am here with author and teacher Holly Lyle, and today's topic is writing animal POVs. Uh, Before we get into the topic, we're not going to go over necessarily what we've done this week, but Holly uh, has, you know, she's had a very good week, and I wanted her to get us a chance to talk about it. Yes, I'm doing the end zone dance right now. On the football field, I'm down there... um, and I'm I'm doing silly things and spiking football and I finished the first Ohio novel finished last revision done done I'm so happy I am so happy it's currently in the hands of your uh final readers my final yeah yeah my my um short of my bug hunters because it will get a bug hunt but this is not for a bug hunt this is this is three people who have copies of it right now and who are going to be looking for uh, questions that they want to know f- that arise from this book um, that I can, you know, answer in following books because uh, I have some questions already put out for myself, but if there's anything interesting that they come up with, I want to be able to do that too. And if they want to do some some little bug hunting, they can do that as well. But yeah, yeah. But this is this is a small thing, and nobody else but those three people are going to see any of these books until the the five first books are finished, and then I will well, put them on bef- sale. And your bug hunters, yeah. Well, right. yeah, and the bug hunters, right? Okay, right. Yeah. But that's the the bug hunters wait until all five books are finished. They don't get a, a preview. But this this is important for me because um, I am writing characters that have specific skills and professions and I need to make sure that I have those correct and I also need to make sure that the story um that my story world is accessible to the folks who read it who have never been to the place where I'm writing about I want to make sure that I didn't take anything for granted yeah yeah and I know too you want to make sure that the questions you have posed are questions that they want answers yeah. to, which makes sense. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Where where I want to make sure that, that the things that I want to write about are things that my readers want to read about. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let's get into the topic today. But, you know, obviously, congratulations on finishing the first Ohio novel. I think that's that's really awesome. And it was worth a mention. Yes, yes. So, Holly, let's get into um, the animal voices. And I just wanted to, to let you guys know, too, there is a free download on the website. Again, we don't ask for email or anything like that. You can just go to the website and look for this this episode title. It you know At the point that this is being released, it will be the most recent blog post. And the download is right there. You can just click to download from the website. Or if you get a 
the email from us, you can click on that and go to the site and download the the download for this particular episode. Again, Holly puts a lot of work into these, so if you guys get a chance, give her a thanks. You know, go into the forums and thank her for all of the worksheets that she's putting together because this isn't this is extra time and effort that she puts into this stuff for for no 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 money or anything. It's just you know for you guys for the listeners. Well, thank you. That so, was very yeah. sweet of you. <laughs> no, I just I just think that they're so awesome. I love the the fact that you create these worksheets and there's nothing that you're getting in return really. Just it's something for people, you know, and the listeners, they, a lot of the people really love the worksheets and I just, I want them to let you know that because it's, it's a lot of work and effort for you. And I just, I love using them. I think they are, you know, muse, muse bait basically, you know, and it's just fun. So let's, let's get into the actual episode now. Okay. When you are writing characters, that are animals. Your job is to think like an unhuman. (laughs) You have to step out of the world that you live in. Imagine yourself in a different body. Imagine yourself with a different brain. Imagine yourself with completely different senses. And then write from that point. And um, this is, it's a fun exercise. It, it is fun to imagine yourself as um, a cat or a wolf or a dragon or um, a monkey or, what, you know, whatever, whatever animal you want to, to bring to life on the page. Um, I have done this numerous times in books. The very first, my very first novel, as a matter of fact, Fire in the Mist, has several scenes in it from the point of view of the cat Flynn. And um, I did Flynn in third person rather than in first person. First person makes it a little tougher. I was not a terribly experienced writer when I wrote my first novel, um, well, my first published novel. But um, I liked being able to include the point of view of the cat, and the cat became a, a hero by the end of the book, Um, which, you know, is a big deal. Um, So he was a cat with hands, which is like my biggest nightmare ever. (laughs) Yeah. I think actually I've I've realized this. They do exist. They're raccoons. Yeah. Raccoons are, are just amazing. And I still want a pet. I've wanted one as a pet since I was about 11 or 12 years old. And I read some book with, with the character that had a pet raccoon, but they do hella damage they are (laughs) crazy little beasts but yeah that's that's basically if if you could get a cat brain in a raccoon body it i'm pretty sure the world would just bend (laughs) um but yeah so let's let's get what's the first thing that we're doing here okay there are some questions you have to ask yourself um what makes an animal different than you and what you're looking at for this is what kind of what species is it? What world does it live in? Um, what are its needs and wants? What type of thinking does it do? What size of brain does it have? What are its instincts and thoughts? And I want to just just mention here, your two cats, Batman and Oliver, and my cat Sheldon. Um, and I would like you to take just a moment and explain because you know we're going to have some first time guys here. 
um, yeah. what it is that Oliver does and that what it is that Oliver told taught no, no what it is that batman does and what it is that batman taught oliver to do yeah batman was less than a year old when he started trying to open doors because he, he would see me go into the bathroom and he would stand outside and he would meow and meow and eventually i started to hear and see the door wiggle and it it or the doorknob wiggle and then i would see this little paw reaching underneath and we realized he was trying to open the door and stupid ass people that we are we're like oh my god that's so cute so we helped him we kind of lifted him up him up and showed him that he had to stand up and then put pressure you know on the door instead of trying to jump up and that was all we needed to do it was one time it was just as a a, a flute you know like a, just a joke and he did it and we're like yay batman yay and and there was the biggest mistake of my life possibly <laughs> I used to have privacy. You know, you'd have to hear them yelling, but now he opens, you know, and as the time progressed, he would open the door for other animals, too. If, if he was walking by and saw somebody wanted in the bathroom, and I've seen him do this, he would open the door, or any room, he would open the door and let them in and just walk away because he, he didn't want to be in there. He, he had shit to do. Yeah. <laughs> and he was doing the same thing. With my art room, so Tony had to buy me for my birthday several years ago <laughs> a doorknob that was round that he can't get into. And he still tries and he's very angry. Oliver watched Batman open doors. Oliver wanted in and Batman's not always around to open the door for him. So he started trying. And I watched Batman teach him how to open the fucking doors. I saw him <laughs> him reach up and he would he would, you know, do the door and then he he put his little paw underneath, did not open the door, walked away and let Oliver do it. Literally teaching this other cat how to open doors. Yeah. And Oliver now can open the doors by himself. He's a little bit his style is different than Batman's. But they can both open the door. Because Batman has taught him and because I spoil the hell out of the two kittens that are not kittens anymore, but that's what we call them. Oliver does not know the meaning of the word no. <laughs> if, if he hears it, he thinks it's just a sound I make and it means nothing. <laughs> so while Batman knows if I yell at him, no, he will not open the door. He'll give me maybe two or three minutes reprieve before I have to yell at him again. Oliver does not. So now... If I yell no at Batman, Oliver starts to open the door. <laughs> because he does, that doesn't stop him. They have so double teamed you at this point. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They work together. Yeah. So so yeah. so my my little story, Becky has two genius cats. Um I have a smart cat. He is to the best of my knowledge not a genius cat, although when we were putting up shutters for the hurricane down in Florida, and uh, when we stuck Sheldon in the bathroom so that uh, we didn't have to worry about him going out a window or something while we had windows open when we're hanging out the second story, hanging these heavy-ass metal shutters, um, he did try to open the door. And he, he spent significant time working on doorknobs from time to time. It's just we don't have those spiffy little French handle doors. We have yeah. round doorknobs. So... He has not been able to do that. But 
What he did do when he was about six months old was he discovered that he could keep me company and sit on the table beside me. And if he would jump down and nibble on my elbow very gently, I would give him snacks. So he would do this. And one day he had had as many snacks as he was going to get. And so he decided to chew a little harder on my elbow. And I yelled at him loudly. First time I had ever yelled at him and it it scared the crap out of him. And he ran to the other side of the office and sat there looking at me. And about five minutes later, he came over and hopped up on the box where I let him sit and keep me company and reached over and very gently patted me on the shoulder, which it was so sweet and it wasn't nibbling on my elbow. So I gave him a treat for that. And it was this thing where I was actually sitting there watching him think it through, realizing that, okay, the biting thing, that didn't go. What else could I do to ask? And it took him only about five minutes to come up with his solution, come over, try it out, and I rewarded him for it. And he has done that ever since. He does not, yeah. does not nibble the elbow anymore. Every once in a while, he'll give it a gentle thing just to see if that'll still work. But I do not reward the elbow nibble. Good. Yeah, because yeah. that would that that last one was a chomp. Well, <laughs> it's like, yo, yeah. bitch, pay up. Yeah, it's it's also kind of like what what Mean Kitty did with. Uh, so I I had rescued a stray cat and uh, found out that he was peeing in the house, and to train him to not pee in the house, I started giving him treats for peeing and pooping in the litter box. Um, he realized that. If he pooped first or peed first, got his treats, and then meowed really loud so I didn't leave, and then jumped back in the litter box, that he could get additional treats. <laughs> By then he splitting realized, up his illuminations. Yes. 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 Then he realized that other cats using the restroom might also get him treats. <laughs> so... I watched dummy Jeeves go into the bathroom and because it's Jeeves, I listened to make sure that I heard a normal stream. Um, this is, I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast, but several years ago he was at the vets. It was an emergency death or life or death situation. He had crystals in his urine and he, by the time we got him there, he was not doing well. So I am basically traumatized from that and every time I see him anywhere near a litter box I, I stop and I listen just to make sure that he is still healthy and peeing well um so that's why I know this happened because I saw him going to the bathroom and I heard him and I'm like oh good okay so he can pee mean kitty when Jeeves left the bathroom mean kitty started yelling so I thought oh okay he needs to go now and because he is such an anal retentive little shit, he will not use a litter box that is not completely empty. So the litter box had been completely emptied beforehand because he had pooped. So I close the door and he's meowing and I put him in the litter box and, and he jumps out. It, and then I put him back in the litter box and he jumps on the side of the, the tub and looks down at, at the pee that's already in there. And then looks at me and is meowing. I'm like... You are not taking credit for another cat's pee. Are you kidding me? He wanted a treat because there was pee in the litter box and he thought he could trick me. He waited until Jeeves left the bathroom. 
so cats cats have a brain and there is a reason that we're going on about the cats right so right this is this is an important thing to realize is that animals have their own little game they play yeah the the your pet is has its own objectives it has its own goals it has its own desires and they might not be the things that you want Mm-hmm. So it will think its way through things. It will try stuff out. It will test. It will, it, will, it will do the scientific method. It will hypothesize. It will test. It will measure results. And it will go back and try something else if the first thing doesn't work. Yeah. So And feel free to find this episode thread in the forums and share your own anecdotes about your pets. Yes. Or dogs or horses. I said or, pets. Oh, pets. Okay, I'm sorry. I heard yeah. cats. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so there is already this demonstration that animals do think, that they do work their way through processes mm-hmm. towards objectives that they want to accomplish and that that they are they can be rather devious about it so this gives you an angle when you are writing an animal character that it isn't all sweetness and light sometimes it's manipulation and trickery Um, yes and and it does you have to kind of bear that in mind but um what you're looking for you want to understand what drives an animal to think why does the animal think? And it, it is a survival thing. All creatures think to some extent. I mean, you know, the bigger the brain capacity, the more I think they are capable of having bigger and deeper thoughts. But if there's a brain in there, there are some thoughts going on. There are, are processes that the animal is using to get what it wants. So you have to ask yourself, what does an animal want? And they're... Okay, I'm going I'm to jump into the nursing thing here for just a minute. There is a thing called Maslow's Hierarchy. And the bottom couple of levels are things like food and shelter um, and uh, sur- survival, just basic oxygen. The very base level is just being able to breathe, having your heart beating. Um, having some sort of, you know, not die situation. And then, then the next step up from there is having enough to eat, having a comfortable shelter. And then the next step up from there is probably beyond where most animals can go. But it would behoove you, and I use that word intentionally, um, <laughs> to, to look up Maslow's hierarchy, look at the bottom couple of levels, and use that as, as sort of a stimulus for you to come up with some different kinds of things that animals could want when you are writing the characters. Now, obviously, if you are writing um, more fictional characters, um, this takes us to the sliding scale of pure animal to human. Um, when you're looking at animals like Mickey Mouse, those guys are humans in drag. Um, you know, they're, they're humans wearing animal skins. They talk. Uh, they, they walk around on two feet, they drive cars, they, you know, they're just, uh, Bugs Bunny and, uh, Daffy Duck are also examples. They have opinions 
and they say them in words. But there is like this mid-range in between the animal is just an animal and the animal is a human in animal skin. There, there's a sliding scale. And um, with Flynn, the, bull, the, the cat that I mentioned from um, uh, but that, 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 that Fire in the Mist. Okay. This cat, um, a, a mage having a bad day or having, having a moment of derp, decided mm-hmm. that it was such a pain in the ass to open the door for him that she gave him hands so that he could handle the doorknob. This was not her brightest move ever. Because she also found out after she gave him hands that he was fascinated by fire and liked lighting matches. Um, that he was capable of manipulating small objects. And I don't remember whether he actually made it to picking locks, but I do think he was trying. Uh, he was he was a danger to himself and others. Yeah. And... Um, he was using his hands in some way to lure birds or something and to lure fish. And, um, you know, it was, he, he had become a tool user and he still had a regular cat's intelligence. But as we have demonstrated from our own experiences with cats, cats can be pretty smart. They, yeah. And if they can figure out how to use a tool with just their paws, uh, they will. So, and then there is from that even another bump up the sliding scale where you may want the animal to be able to do some things that human beings can do, um, but not be human. One of the best cases of this I can think of is, um, ah, God, Lonesome October, Roger Zelazny, A Night in the Lonesome October, as I am pretty sure the title, in which... I actually have that on my Kindle. I haven't read that yet. I love it. It is the story of Jack Jack the Ripper narrated from the point of view of Jack the Ripper's dog. I want to say his name is Ripper, but it could be Slash. I don't remember. Um, Brilliant book. Brilliant and wonderful and and um, a joy to read, as was pretty much everything that Roger Zelazny ever did. But he is not a human. He is a dog. And he doesn't have any superpowers, but, but his thinking is beyond what we would expect a dog to be able to do. He is observational. He is um, capable of expressing himself. But he expresses it in a very doggy way so that you get the feel of dog from a dog's point of view. What you want to do is kind of sink into your character, become the character, think like the character. And and this is a little game you can play that's a lot of fun. So what we did, um, what I did was make a worksheet. And um, what we are going to do is go through what we wrote on our worksheets and give you kind of an idea of how we filled them out. We did not write any fiction from these points of view. You did not. I started and then I did not finish the scene, but I'll, I'll read the little bit that I have. Okay. Um, I might be able to improv something when I get to the end of it, just, you know, as an off the top of my head, how I would write this. But um, what we're going to do first 
is just go through our worksheets for you so that you can see how we handled this material. And there are three steps here. You have to meet your animal. Let me see. Okay. There, there are four steps here. You have to meet your animal, you motivate your animal, you re represent your animal, which is when you choose how much of a space between the pure animal and the pure human you want this particular character to be, and then you do the writing. And we're going to do the first three steps here, and then we'll figure out where to go from there if we, if we decide we have enough time. Okay, so um, go ahead and... I'll, I'll read the intro, okay? This is meeting your animal. Who is your animal character? Include species, breed of animal, background, uh, like wild, domestic, pet, farm animal, etc. Age and some formative experience. Escaped from a cruel owner, happy pet, wild creature, etc. Okay, go ahead. And Holly and I both started from scratch with this. I, I started actually writing from the perspective, uh, trying to come up with an idea for the Wargath, which is a cryptid I created for the... Uh, for the Fulton Hills world yeah. but then then I was like you know what I want to do a cat <laughs> gee there's a surprise <laughs> so I even sent you a text um are you making up an animal or are you doing a cat and th that's that's how much we are freaking crazy cat ladies yeah. is that I already knew like I had to to ask and I think you were actually planning on doing a cat but then you're you're like I was I'll just make up a cat yeah 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 so I got to do the cat <laughs> So obviously my mommy loves me because she, she gave me the cat. That's exactly um, right. And I just went from scratch. So time it. So I'm just going to read what I wrote. I I was starting from scratch, came up with the name Timon, which I had no idea is act an actual name out there of, of an, you know, a character. Um, Timon, wild-born cat, born in the lots to do. Loving mother. Timon was one of two that survived to a very young mother. One day while hunting with mo with mom, he and his brother were playing when a wargath snuck up on them. Uh, the wargath is is very deadly. Yeah. Um, their mom attacked but got stung with the tongue, which the the tongue of the wargath is poisonous, and in smaller characters it pretty much kills them right away. Smaller creatures. Um, they. That's where I started tearing up. Oh, <laughs> I'm an idiot. Yeah, I just just the idea of that, and it was yeah. Um, they ran, and one oh, they ran, and she was devoured. <laughs> they both yeah, that's actually where I teared up. They both made it out. Timon's brother is slow and mentally handicapped. He was the runt of the litter of two. Uh, so Timon has to do everything to help his brother survive. This is partially me pulling Thea into this, the other one of the Wild Adventures kittens that we have. Yeah. Um, she is not a normal cat. She's she's very much a, a, a kind of handicapped uh, cat. She she's special needs. Um, so uh, hunting for food. Near the NoHo restaurant, it's very hard to read my handwriting. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, something, something. <laughs> Leona, which is a character in the first book, she's a throwaway character. Leona is meeting a Yak Technuk who is sneaking slash smuggling her, um, like, 
magical items. Cool. She is a she is a witch, and the Noho and Yaktaknak they do not like you know witches. They they have a, a significant issue with witches. So the fact that somebody is smuggling them these these things is is a big deal. Um, so she's getting all of these these things smuggled, and uh, that's when she finds the two of them. Now, when you read the the first um, book, the the Fulton Hills book, which we do have a title, but uh, but yeah, it's. It's going to have a really good cover, and then you guys can see the title. But, um, because <laughs> the title's fairly boring. But, um, this character who is pretty much just a throw, she has like two or three scenes. Um, she has two cats, and they're mentioned. And this, I had no idea, but this is the story of them, you know, how she got them and everything. Nice. Um, she quickly gathers up his brother, who is too trusting and wants the pets. So, his brother had walked over there because, like, human is like, doody doody do, just like, you know, <laughs> like you would... Thea. Well, Thea actually apparently, Thea actually apparently uh, is not friendly with, with people. She was <gasps> when she was younger and little, but, but, uh, Brian came over to watch the animals that one time and care for them. And he said that all of them, he got all of them to love him except for Thea. And he's like, he was like looking at her, glaring at her during my birthday, talking shit to her. I'm like, this is hilarious. Like, I, I had no idea. Oh, that's funny. But, okay, yeah. But this is how you would expect her to be: is do 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 do. Hello, man, pet me. Mm-hmm. And Timon is like, no. But she takes, takes his brother, and is leaving, and so he's forced to go with her because he, she can't just take his fucking brother. So he runs after, and she ha- named him Timon and his brother um, Dion- Dionysus. D- I think Dionysus. That's how you pronounce it. It's well, it's um, Dionysus. I think it's how you pronounce it because I tried to look it up. Okay. I I knew the name before because it's the the god of chaos and drunkenness. Yes. Um and. He acts so bizarre. He acts kind of drunken sometimes <laughs> and just is chaotic as hell. And all of this is that's based on Thea. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, but calls him Dio and Timon is Ty. And if I got the pronunciation of that name wrong, I'm sorry, but I that's that's his name is is Dio and Ty. Um so that that is the the background of meeting my animal. That was all the stuff that that came out when I wrote that down. That's cool. Um, okay, so I'm going to do my meeting your animal now. My character is a wolf cub. Wild, born on the tundra. Uh, mother was mother pushed him out of the litter as a scrub. Um, she might just not have had enough nipples <laughs> and she needed to get rid of one. Um, he was found by a teenage girl who knew what he was, but whose parents didn't. Uh, abandoned and starving when he was rescued, the cub quickly and ardently loves the girl who rescued him and becomes protective of her. She raises him for two years, then one day she disappears from his life, from her home, and from her family. So that's what I have in my meeting of your animal. Now, having created our characters in a very, very light form, uh, we move to motivating your animal. What does your animal character want? 
and why? Because even if you are writing a pure animal all the way to the bottom of the, the animal to human scale, the animal is still going to have needs and it is still going to have wants. Um, so with that, go ahead and... Yeah, it's like a perfect example is Mean Kitty because when he showed up, um, he was so hungry that he willingly stuck his head in a bowl of dog food that I had put out for the starving dog that the neighbor had. Um, and the dog was just lapping it up and Mean Kitty was so hungry he shoved his head in there and was eating it too. And knowing Mean Kitty's personality, he doesn't even like to, to, to be near you know, other, like the dogs and stuff. Like he'll, he'll go up and sniff one interestingly, but you know, he, he prefers his own company or maybe the company of another cat if they're cleaning him. Mm -hmm. Um, but that was, that was what he wanted at the time. So he was motivated. That was a big motivation. Right. Yeah. Starvation. Um, (laughs) yes. So my character wants escape. He does not currently trust Leona nor the other humans there her coven Theo which is her daughter Theo's kids etc and boyfriend or husband I don't remember she's married um, he wants to go back to the lots to do because he knows what to expect there very very nice mine um, is the wolf who I named tall boy uh, he wants to find his missing savior his his human his girl um, yeah he is the family's only chance to find her, the disappeared girl whose name is Gretchen. He loves her. She's his mother. She's his human. She's his friend. And now she's gone. And he has some sort of connection with her um, that is going to allow her, allow him to have a chance to find her when no one else does. Yeah. Oh, I like that. So our next question on this part of the worksheet, the motivation of your animal, is what obstacle stands between your character and getting what it wants? Go ahead. I've got a couple. So for Ty, it's the humans, the house, his brother, (laughs) who loves everyone and instantly. Um, He'd have to convince him to leave and he'd have to find a way out of the house when Leona is not there or not looking. Right now she's been especially watchful because they're new and she's worried about Ty escaping. Not so much Dio, but <laughs> Ty is just, you know, he's he's too clever. Ah, uh, smart cat. Yes. We have met his ilk. <laughs> yes. Yes. Indeed. <laughs> okay, so my the obstacles my character faces are distance, weather and terrain. Distance is Places with tundra uh, tend to be big places. And weather, places with tundra (laughs) tend to have bad weather. Uh, I was thinking when I wrote this of Alaska. And I was thinking of all of the places in Alaska being pretty far from all of the other places in Alaska, separated by tons of tundra, by mountain ranges, by all kinds of stuff. Um, And the terrain is difficult. I mean, walking... Even walking on tundra. If you're on tundra in the winter, it's really not that big a deal. If you're walking on tundra in the spring or summer after the thaw, it's like walking on a mattress. And it can be walking on a mattress where the the growth has gone over areas that are just water. 
and you cannot tell the difference between the tundra and the water that they are overlapping until you step on something and it gives way and all of a sudden you're in a hidden sinkhole or lake. Um, and it's, it's just bizarre. It is, it is an alien type of terrain for somebody who wasn't born there. In the winter, um, it's safer, but in the winter you have the rivers which freeze solid, but solid gets big fat air quotes around it because of the speed with which parts of them freeze and then the current pushing underneath. Some of the places that look solid and people drive trucks on the rivers in the winter. So some of the places that look solid aren't because there will be air bubbles that form underneath that so that you can have a solid slab of ice that's six feet thick and then there will be a spot in it where there's something that's maybe an inch and a half that still looks solid because it's covered with snow and people on um, snowmobiles and people driving trucks on the river can go into those holes and just disappear and nothing is found of them ever again or you know they get frozen down there and they've some, some portion of them or the, the, the snowmobile or something might pop up for in frozen state during the spring breakup or, I mean, this is, this is some dangerous shit. And yeah. this is where, um, she cowboy. Yeah. This oh, okay. is, well, this is, this is where Gretchen disappeared. And this is where Tallboy is going to be the one who can traverse this terrain and get to her after he figures, after he finds her. Um, and what I have written here is, um, Gretchen has disappeared or has been disappeared, I hadn't yet decided at that point, in an area of thousands of square miles of tundra. And the person or people who disappeared her don't want to be found. So by the second half of that sentence, I had figured out that, in fact, she has been taken. Um mm-hmm. And then the next thing I have there is that there is a villain, someone who wanted Gretchen, and while Tallboy cannot understand complex motives, he can smell trouble, deceit, evil, and he can trail the scent, the sounds, and something Gretchen is leaving behind. Hair, bits of skin, blood, maybe her singing. Um, Some, there is, he has different ways that he can track her. Um, but that's not the obstacle that's getting into something else, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, well, the obstacle is the tundra. But yeah. then I wanted to to figure out a little bit. And the obstacle is the tundra, and the obstacle is the villain. Yeah. So two separate obstacles there. Um, yeah. Okay. And that allowed me to dig a little bit into some of my solutions at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because sometimes you will get answers and you got to write them down when you get them. It doesn't always fit. Right, right. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, so the next part of this second part of the worksheet is what steps or actions can your animal take to overcome the obstacle? And I've, I've put down, has to be watchful for human routines and also on the lookout for weaknesses in the, the quote, prison. <laughs> Find a way to convince his brother to leave or trick him into it. Find the perfect timing and opening. And then four is trying to teach Dio to help with opening doors. Oh. Fails. Yeah. yeah, it's got that, but then it, it fails. 
What if Batman tried to teach... I put this in parentheses for myself. What if Batman tried to teach Thea instead of Ollie? All chonk blep. <laughs> exactly. All right. I was a little bit briefer on this. Um, I had that uh, tally, um, which was tall boy, and what, what Gretchen and I decided would call tall boy is either tally or tally, um, was he would be able to follow scent trails, he would be able to follow auditory cues, and as a third possibility, he would follow the connection he and Gretchen share, a sort of psychic human-to-animal bond. Yeah. Yeah, the closest I ever got with something like that, other than with Oliver, is Ginger. Mm-hmm. And there just, there seemed to be this very, very strong bond between Ginger and I. Like, I would think of her and she would come in the room. It was really weird. Yeah. It was really weird. And losing her was the most painful of losing any of the, the animals other than Grey Mouser. Yeah. So that was, I had, yeah, I had that really, really deep bond with Grey too. Mm-hmm. But it it's just, it's something that, you know, has driven writers to write about animals for centuries so right um what is the next step the next step is how can you show your animal figuring out and taking each of these steps okay so for mine one was stalking humans noting routines following them but also hiding somewhere to see how solid routines are Mm -hmm. um two pushing against windows searching the entire house for some way to escape Three, attempting to open doors, watching Leona and others, and trying again. Getting the inside but not the outside door. So Ah. he gets to the point where he can open all of the doors in the house (laughs) and is constantly frustrated because they never lead outside but only to more doors or to more windows. Yeah. Um, And then number four is attack Leona slash humans when they try to pet Dio. To keep him from getting more attached. So, yeah, he's he's trying really hard. And I think it's hilarious that he's going to start attacking people if they try to pet his brother. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, but that is that is a really interesting way to deal with the problem from his perspective. Mm-hmm. I like that. That's all he's got. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, in my case, I have, um, he sees and smells her taken. Uh, he identifies the peculiar scent of captor, and he is obviously in some position where he is incapable of helping her. I'm thinking maybe he's in a kennel that he can't get out of or um, something where he's in the house, can't do doors. Uh, I don't know of any dogs dogs or wolves who can. Oh, I'm sure they've got plenty yeah, of there them. I'm sure dogs are. can open up these doors, no problem. I just don't have smart ones. <laughs> <laughs> well, Shiny's pretty smart, but dear God, I'm not teaching that dog how to open doors. Uh-uh. Yeah. Um, okay, so anyway, he sees her taken, but he is not in a position where he can pursue. But he does identify the peculiar scent of her captor. He catches hints of her singing, of her emotions, of her sorrow, of her yearning for rescue. He can feel her wanting to be saved. He catches her scent on her captor. So at some point, the captor is close enough after she's been taken for him to catch a a whiff of the scent. And then from that, he tracks the captor back to her, but he is also following her using her emotional responses, her fear, 
um, and possibly some other things. So, um, yeah, I, I'm not entirely certain how I would build that all the way out, but I yeah. do kind of like where it's headed. Yeah, me too. Okay, so the last thing, the last part of the... Well, the second to last part of the worksheet. Okay, right. So the, the next portion of the worksheet is representing your animal. Now your character's conflict, obstacles, and objective are built, and you have some concept of what your character will need to accomplish in your story and why. Uh, so now you need to decide how you'll show your animal. Your options range from strict third person, so you never have to have your animal character think using words, all the way to first person, where your animal is your story narrator and has a full human vocabulary. There are an infinite number of points in between these two extremes. So, how do you want the reader to see your character? I got kind of a, a bunch of little things going on here. So, it's third person, but smart, wary, untrusting, full love for his handicapped brother, taking care of Dio, watchful, preparing, planning, and eventually falling in love with one of Theo's kids, the toddler. Oh, Yeah. So Aww. I... That's why he ends up staying. There you go. That, yeah. Okay. So the toddler who is ending. mean to him is the only one in the entire family and the entire household that's ever in that house that is mean to him. <laughs> you know, because he's a toddler. He doesn't know any better. He pulls on his ears and, and everybody's like, no, 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 no. You know, running towards him and... and Ty just sits down and just lets him pull on his ear and everybody is just like fucking shocked. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I love that. And that's, that's when I got my ending. <laughs> yeah. But that is so animal. It really yes. is. That it'll be the yes. one that you think now nah, he's never going to take to that. Oh, no. No, no. That becomes his favorite person. <laughs> yep. Um, yep. Okay. So for mine, uh, I have, uh, I want readers to see the character as young, vulnerable, deeply attached to the girl who saved him from certain death. He has a small vocabulary of human words he knows. He will think these words. Uh, he'll primarily use smell, sound, and sight to locate Gretchen, but I do want to have this um, be written from his point of view. So it's going to be a whole human vocabulary in there, but I'll be doing it with just his words, the words that he knows as, you know, separate and set apart as, as, as his, as his, his yeah. point of view. Yeah. Because yeah. it's all written from, from what he's doing from his perspective, but certain words and phrases are going to be his. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. As the things he thinks. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So what's the next part? The next part is how realistic do you want your presentation of your character to be and why? Mine is going to be a realistic cat from actions and on the outside, realistic motivations, etc. 99%. The only thing that is not 100% realistic is his thoughts, memories, concept, perception. And then I kept writing this down and I'm like, oh, I guess it's not 99% realistic. Um <laughs> Procedural understanding, problem solving, etc. 
So I found out very quickly that, oh, okay, this is not going to be 99% correct. It's probably, it's it's going to be mostly cat, but it's going to be my interpretation of, of a cat and how in my anthropomorphic ways I see my own cats. Yes. Well, I like that. And, and when I wrote Flynn, that was what I did. I anthropomorphized him, a little, little booger head hands anyway. Um, but I did from a third person point of view. I did. I didn't do him from first person. I, but I did him from third person, and I did have him thinking about things and and planning things, and you know, being being a cat with hands. Yeah. Yeah. Stupidest idea ever. So what did you get? <laughs> okay. So what I got was I want the story to feel real or plausible to the reader. However, I want all the scenes in the story from the wolf's point of view. So it's going to be not realistic, uh, but I want it to feel realistic. So I won't have yeah. him thinking his thoughts other than thinking it, it, it will be it will be kind of an over-the-shoulder wolf where from time to time he will think something, but it will be one of the commands that he knows or, or her name, which he knows, or his own name, which he knows, but very, very limited word thoughts but then thoughts his thoughts as he smells things and identifies things but not as dialogue yeah yeah so writing animals it can be very tricky and you have to play around and try things and find find the voice that will allow you to do what you want to do while at the same time keeping the story to the level of realism or surrealism that you want to hit yeah okay um so the last part of the the worksheet is actually writing the scene so read that part i actually did this i didn't realize i had oh okay okay so yeah okay so okay so now it's time to write Create the voice you want to use for your animal character by writing your first scene in which your character presents or is presented with the problem it must overcome. Remember to include setting protagonist, antagonist, conflict, and a change, the twist. More on all of this is is in previous podcasts, so we've gone over this a lot. Uh, So we're not going to go over it again today. Uh, Run as long as you like. Print extra pages if you need them. Okay. Okay. Um, I got not quite 250 words, and then I just, I stopped. I was planning on doing it again this morning, but I, then I didn't get to it. So I'll read it now, and then I'll tell you guys how the, the scene ends. Um, Ty crouched, hidden under the bed, a light from the overcast night outside more than enough to sit and watch what for what should happen. His internal clock was telling him it was time. He wondered where Dio was, but it didn't matter at the moment. He just prayed his brother wasn't in that damn woman's bed again. At this point, you're not supposed to know necessarily that this is a cat, by the way. So (laughs) I'll get back to reading this. With the patience of a boulder, he sat, breathed, watched. The door to the other bedroom, to her bedroom, opened. Soft, flickering light spilled out of the room and onto the terrazzo floor. Bare feet padded through the hallway, and he curbed the instinct to attack. She did have nice ankles. A moment later, his brother bounded out behind her. 
Ty cursed, watching as his brother looked around, the perpetually dumbfounded expression on his face replaced with his wide-eyed, startled look at the sound of the faucet. <laughs> Ty shoved his face into the carpet. This was who he was planning on escaping with. He was doomed. <laughs> so that is going to... It's, I'm trying to give hints in little places here where you're, you're feeling like this might be an animal or just little subtle things and some that are not so subtle like she had nice angles he wanted to attack them <laughs> yes. um that his brother got startled by the faucet and also that he bounded out of the bedroom um but i like the idea i didn't mean to do it and then it just like i was like ooh that would be cool if nobody knew this was a cat at first so when you know it ends, it's basically that's the, or at least this scene. When mm -hmm. the scene ends, you learn that these are cats. Cool. So basically, he does end up attacking her <laughs> <laughs> because I think she's going to be wearing like a bathrobe and the string uh. is just going to, and his eyes are going to get really black and big <laughs> and he can't, he can't help but attack and he pounces. And then, you know, she says something and picks him up and he's not happy. Um, <laughs> but it's going to be the story. Of the continuous attempt to escape and the the child that was perhaps staying at his father's um, mother's house, so his other grandparents' house, for a period of time because they wanted him to be there. And then Theo ends up bringing him to the house and that's when Ty falls in love with this tiny demon. Oh, cool. Yeah. Cool. All right, so I I didn't go much farther than you did, um, but yeah, but you did end up writing something which you didn't think you did. I right, I had completely forgotten that I did this. I was really yeah. tired when I did these worksheets. I yeah. mean, I was really tired when I built the worksheets, and then as soon as I built them, I filled them out. So, I it was it was I was surprised that I actually did get all the way through them. Okay, yeah. so um, cold and hunger. The tiny wolf cub, the abandoned runt of a too large litter, lay dying. He'd been shoved out of the den, pushed away. He'd squirmed, crawled, too small to survive on his own. And he would die when the, when the rare warmth of the day ended. He wouldn't know, wouldn't understand. He was just a scrap of life. But he did know sudden warmth when it enveloped him. Did respond to a nipple shoved into his mouth, to milk that was wrong, but was still something. His hunger to survive was still strong. He sucked, his belly filled. A warmth attached to an alien smell surrounded him, enfolded him. Wrong smell, but not bad smell. Good warmth, soft and gentle sounds, life. The tiny cub embraced life with every fiber of his being. And even in sleep, he clung to the warmth, the smell, the gentle touch of furless skin. He had no fear on him. That would come later. I like that. Yeah. We and both had a, a decent last line. Yeah. My, mine was more funny. Yours was sad. Yeah. Yeah, I, I did. I made myself cry when I wrote it. I figured yeah. some, some of the girl found him. He, he managed to crawl himself to a place where she could find him, and she found a baby bottle somewhere and gave him some kind of milk, and it wasn't the right kind of milk, but it was something, and, you know, he doesn't die. Well, it's it's kind of cool because from that perspective, it's almost it, it felt a little bit like um, me with the the kittens. 
because they couldn't see. They didn't know what was going on. They were three days old. Yeah. The only thing is I, I got choked up there for a second because I was thinking of Mr. Meowsers, Aww. who was the runt and the one that Tony named and the one that did not make it. Yeah. And it was just, ugh. And I always feel really bad for the mom, too, because she didn't kick any of them out. Any of the four that we ended up taking, <laughs> uh, you know, it's just she came back to her area and all of her kittens were gone. Yeah. And you think, it just uh, breaks that... my heart even to this day. And it's three years later. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, the fact that that three of them lived, that yeah. you had these kittens that their eyes weren't even opened yet. Mm-hmm. And three of them lived. Uh, because yeah. you got up, what, every two hours for how, how many weeks? <laughs> yeah, it's every, I was doing um, every hour and a half at first because they were so young and mm-hmm. we had a runt. So I was really scared for him. Um, and then it's every two hours and then every three hours and every four hours. It's it's difficult and you just, you're, but this is definitely not about rescuing kittens. If you guys have any <laughs> questions, I'd say go to kittenlady.org. She's fantastic. She's, um, I had a lot of the information already, but there were some of the stuff that she did that helped me with Mr. Meowsers, at least while he was around. Um, but this is a really, really wonderful worksheet and I am biased because I love animals and you know I'm a insane for cryptids and stuff so this I had a whole sheet of paper that I wrote down all of the different creatures that I plan on writing from their perspective for my uh, flash fiction stuff because I want to do it this gave me the idea to do an entire um, series of flash fiction short stories and put them all together and you know put them up but they're all going to be from cryptid point of views Mm -hmm. and it's different flash fiction stories from different cryptid point of views from different towns within fulton county so i'm just very excited and you guys you know go to the website download the worksheet you know give holly a shout out to say thank you for creating all of the worksheets because she she really does put a lot of time and effort into these um And it's really all for you guys because she does love doing this kind of stuff. She does love teaching. Obviously, that's why we're on the that's why we do the podcast, but it doesn't make anything less work. So, yeah, (laughs) I Um, had one. I had one more thing I wanted to say before we do the takeaway, Um, which is it is possible, though difficult to write animal POVs without humanizing. Um, But it requires that you do a lot of research and it and the ability it requires that you develop the ability to focus on the animal's needs from the animal's point of view, um, which is, ex- you know, there is no way that we can prove that you got it right because yeah. nobody gets to be a, an animal and try this stuff out. But um, there's sort of a sliding into the animal's skin and trying to become the animal as you think your way through the story, that can allow you to shed a lot of the humanness if you want to go that way and avoid uh, things like cuteness and humanizing. There is nothing wrong with cuteness and humanizing if that's the way you want to go, but there are ways um, to just, by researching animals and by researching how they hunt and how they feed and how they uh, raise their young and things like that, where you can maybe slide a little bit farther on the scale of being, of bringing the animal to life as an animal, if you want to go that way. Okay. So. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I can see there's a lot of pros to that, and that's something that I might want to try with the cryptids, and then I can't possibly get it wrong. Well, there's that, yeah. <laughs> because they're my own made-up cryptids from Fulton Hills, but or from Fulton County. But I, I personally don't mind what we call humanizing animals. Mm -hmm. um, I don't necessarily know if it if it is really humanizing because we're all creatures, yeah. right? And it's just that we have this consciousness that no other species shows the ability to to replicate. Right. But I just doesn't mean I don't know. it's I not think, there. Yeah, and there's a lot of things that are common between different kinds of creatures. Mm -hmm. So um before we get to the takeaway, I just wanted to let you guys know you can follow us on the socials. That is at A-I-A-R-W-I-P on Twitter, Alone in a Room with Invisible People on Facebook, Alone with Invisible People on Instagram, and you can find our website at alonewithinvisiblepeople.com. You can find the different ways to support us. There's the coffee account, ko-fi.com forward slash alone. There is a drop-down menu on the Alone with Invisible People website it gives you different like five ten fifteen dollars and that's a one-time thing if you just want to say thank you for doing all of the stuff that you're doing if you want to support holly because you know again she does all of these worksheets and stuff you can go to coffee that's ko-fi.com forward slash holly lyle that's holly l-i-s-l-e and it, you can always, you know, anything that you purchase from Holly as far as her clinics, which, you know, start at like $9, it's under $10, it's like $9.99 or something like that. And then, you know, it, the, the courses range in price. But if you want to support both Holly and the podcast at the same time, you can just buy from the affiliate links, which are all found on alonewithinvisiblepeople.com. And that will support both Holly and the podcast itself. Woo! So, Holly, what is the takeaway for today? Okay, the takeaway is this. Figure out why you want to write from the animal's point of view. And then, when you have figured that out, how much animal you want to have in the animal, whether you want a Mickey Mouse character, whether you want a genuine real character, or whether you want something in between. Um, and then... Once you, have, once you have written this down, and I strongly suggest you write your objectives down in this instance, stick with your own guidelines because it can be very, very simple, or very easy rather, to drift from what you wanted to write into something completely different as you fall more and more into the animal character and as it becomes more and more human like you. <laughs> yes. All right, so that has been our... our worksheet our our episode on writing from animals perspectives and if you guys have any questions or tips or want to talk about this you can go to the forums at hollyswritingclasses.com and you look for our forum it's podcast alone with invisible people and find this episode topic and jump in and join us if you want to share what you got share we'd love to see you know we we don't have to be the only ones sharing what we what we are getting is is like the other um days that that people have been sharing what they've been getting off of their sweet spot maps yeah. or sharing what they get in the, the fan fiction it's like when people share for the halloween episodes that sort of thing we would love to see what you guys get um thank you so much for listening we love you guys i can't wait until next week holly write with joy kick some ass take some chances and 
Embrace your inner animal. <laughs>